Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. I think I remember the last time that we had a service and we did this and the minister got up and made everybody move from where they were to one side and then he talked about contentment. It's not exactly what we're going to talk about today. Amen. How many has ever heard about investing? Have I ever seen, you've heard something on the radio where they tell you, you know, if you put this much money into this, then, then you're supposed to get so much return. And then they've got the one guy at the end that, you know, talks like 3,000 words a minute giving you all the fine details about how, you know, this isn't typical. Don't take this as a, take this with a grain of salt. It might, might not work. Today, I want to talk with you about investing. And this isn't a spiel. I'm not going to make you sign a contract for a timeshare in Branson. I'm not going to do that today. But we're going to talk about um, the principle of investing in the kingdom. And Luke chapter 19, verse number 11, is the beginning of a parable. This happens twice in the New Testament. Once in the book of Luke, where we're going to read. Once in the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew is called the parable of the talents. This is called the parable of the pounds. Um... To be honest, it's really the same parable. I mean, it's two different terms, but it is the same principle. And in Luke chapter 19, verse number 11, it says, And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. They're thinking... Messiah's come, the kingdom's going to be right now. And he's like, I need to teach them something. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy or do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said, Likewise to him, be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that thou layest not down, 
and reapest that thou didst not sow. And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury or interest? And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. They said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you, that unto every one that hath shall be given. And from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. This passage, I've seen it my whole life. I've heard it preached and taught. We have here a principle that the Lord is showing us. He says, the kingdom of God is not going to immediately appear. You don't just wake up one morning. That's the way that it is. He's giving us a vision, a hint at what the kingdom really truly is going to be like. And he says it's not going to be overnight. It's something that we have to work for. And the way that he puts it is he says there has to be an investment made to see the kingdom. And I asked how many had heard about the principle of investing and um, at certain times of the year you go into Walmart and there's different companies that will set up and they'll try to get you to invest. Or if, you, uh, if you're like me, I know one time that Sister Star told me one of her friends was, was having a meeting and she said, you got to come with this meeting. And I sat in a meeting where somebody's trying to get you to invest in this thing. And if you'll get so many people to invest, then you'll make so much money. And uh, I told her, I said, this is a pyramid scheme is what this is. I'm like, we're, we're not putting any. I'm like, you can put your money into this if you want to. I'm not doing it. But people are trying to get us to invest the point of investing is to see an eventual return to see an eventual return very very seldom does a person invest in something and get an immediate return usually if you invest in a business or you invest in an idea there is a period of time before you see a return on that investment. And investing involves a risk. For every Walmart, there is an Enron. If you all know about the Enron scandal from a few years back. For every Amazon, there is a Therantos. There is a company that tries to make money and they get a lot of investors and then the bottom falls out because what they were selling didn't even exist yet. There's an element of risk when it comes to investing. And so here we see all of that laid out. He said, a certain man leaves to receive a kingdom. And he leaves his wealth, he leaves his stuff his money with his servants and he said you just keep doing business 
until I come back. And we find that to take the money and use it. They take the pound, they invest it, and they get a return. But we have one who is fearful. He's afraid. He's like, what's going to happen if I invest this pound and I don't do it in the right way and I lose my master's pound? I don't have it to give to him. And he says, well, what did you do with my pound? And I'm like, well, I invested it and I lost it. So he just buries it. And he says, at least when he comes back, I can give him what he gave me. This is the parable. This is the story that Jesus taught. Now, I'm not here to tell you to invest in the stock market. I'm not going to tell you which hot stock tip that you can invest in and make a fortune. Instead, there was something that was said this past weekend at the train-up convention that kind of put this into my mind. That is, the kingdom of God is all about this. This is the kingdom. We are to invest into the kingdom because our master has left and he left us with a commission. And he said, just keep doing what I tell you to do until I come back. And we are to invest into his kingdom. Now, in this parable, Jesus is talking about pounds. He's talking about money. And obviously, we ought to invest our funds into the kingdom. But I believe even more than that, we are to invest of ourselves, of our time, and of what we have. And we ought to invest it. And the way that we invest in the kingdom is we invest into other people. Now, it would be really easy for me to get up here and say, you know what? There's no investment that gives a greater return than children's ministry. And I could get up here and I could tell you, you need to invest in our children. Because that's what I'm passionate about. And I believe we need to invest in our children. But even more than just simply that, we need to invest in new people new converts that come in. We need to make an investment into them. The story was told, Dr. Brent Coltharp, who is the president of Urshan College, was telling a story. And he was telling the story about a man, and maybe you know this name. Has anybody ever heard the name of Norman Borlaug? Anybody ever heard the name Norman Borlaug? Norman Borlaug received the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Norman Borlaug has received numerous accolades. He's, a, he's into agriculture. He's into agricultural science. Norman Borlaug developed, uh, was part of the team that developed uh, corn and wheat and different plants that could survive in very arid climates. They didn't need a lot of water. They could withstand a lot of harsh conditions. But Norman Borlaug has been claimed that he has saved the lives of between 1 and 2 billion people with his development of these different grains and these different types of wheat that 
farmers can go and they can plant in places where they couldn't plant before. And he's been credited with saving the lives of 2 billion people. But Dr. Calthorp said, perhaps we should give him the congratulations, the accolades of saving the lives of 2 billion people. Or he said, maybe the credit should go, instead of going to Norman Borlaug, he said, maybe the credit should go to a man named Henry Wallace. Has anybody heard the name Henry Wallace? Henry Wallace was the vice president under Franklin D. Roosevelt. And before that, or about that time, Henry Wallace had been involved in the Department of Agriculture, and he got the Department of Agriculture to set up a program to investigate planting crops in arid climates and developing a crop that could survive in harsh conditions. He started the program that Norman would hire Norman Borlaug to do it. So he said, maybe the credit for those 2 billion people really goes to Henry Wallace for starting the program that would hire Norman Borlaug. Then he said, but, but maybe the credit doesn't go to him. Maybe the credit goes to a teacher by the name of George Washington Carver. Has anybody ever heard the name George Washington Carver? Famous scientist. He, when he was teaching at his institute, um, towards the latter end of his life, he took under his wing this young man, this nine-year-old boy who was really interested in plants, really interested in agriculture, and he took him under his wing, and he would, like, go on walks through the different gardens that he grew, and he would show this thing. And that young man was Henry Wallace who would grow up to work with agriculture, become the vice president, set up the program that would hire Norman Borlaug. Then he said, well, actually, maybe the credit goes to a man by the name of Moses Carver. Moses Carver and his wife had a little farm. Um, I've actually been there, uh, just north of Joplin, Missouri, in a little town called Diamond. And Moses Carver and his wife, they had a lady that was there on their property and raiders came and kidnapped her and her infant son and took them away and Moses Carver on horseback rode and met them at a crossroads and um, wasn't armed they had weapons they had you know they were bandits they would just kill whoever they wanted to and Moses Carver traded the only horse he owned, and they threw him a burlap sack. And inside of that burlap sack was a little infant boy, half dead, and he took him and put him under his coat and walked for miles and miles back to his farm. And him and his wife said, no, we're going to raise this boy as our own. We loved his mother. We're going to raise this boy as our own. We're going to teach him. And that young boy was George Washington Carver. So he said, maybe the credit for saving 2 billion people goes back to a Missouri farmer who said, no, that, you know, that young man, that boy means more to me than anything. I'm going to raise him. We're going to make sure 
he's a success. Not knowing the day that he met these raiders just to fulfill a vow, a promise that he made. He would have world-changing effect. And that reminded me. How many has ever heard the name D.L. Moody? Maybe a few. D.L. Moody was an evangelist the latter half of the 1800s. At the time of the height of his ministry in Chicago, Illinois, it was estimated that he had preached to more people than anyone since the Apostle Paul. He had a ministry in the, across the United States, across the Atlantic Ocean. He preached in Ireland. He preached in the UK. A very famous the, uh, evangelist, uh, Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. He started that. Moody Memorial Church in Chicago. He also started that. And he was considered the greatest evangelist of the 19th century. And he saw... Thousands, tens of thousands of people give their lives to Christ. But maybe the credit for those tens of thousands goes to a Sunday school teacher by the name of Edward Kimball, who on his off day went to the shoe store where a young man by the name of Dwight Moody was working and took him into the back room and shared with him the gospel and led him to Christ. Maybe Edward Kimball should be the one that gets the credit for the tens and hundreds of thousands who heard the gospel. Or getting closer to home. If I were to even mention names, perhaps two names this church knows, uh, two brothers by the name of Mark and Jeff Morgan. Anybody ever heard of Mark Morgan? Mark and Jeff Morgan, they've preached... I don't know, Sister Holligan, they've preached everywhere. I mean, they've preached in other countries. They've seen thousands filled with the Holy Ghost. Thousands of people who have turned to Christ. And they're good preachers. But maybe the credit for those tens of thousands goes to men like Joe Cook, who were... Sunday school teachers when they were boys and instilled in them the gospel. The thing with investment is whatever you put in, you're going to get much more out of it than you do. In 1969, a crazy Arkansas businessman got dressed up in a suit and tie and went to Wall Street and made an initial public offering, an IPO. He decided he was going to take a small company that he had started in Arkansas, and he was going to take it public and offer it on the stock market for the first time. That man was named Sam Walton. The company that he was trying to take public, he called Walmart. And in 1969, he took it public and said, Who will buy stock? in my idea of a discount store. If in 1969 you had gone to the bank and managed to take a $100 loan and bought $100 in stock with Walmart Stores Incorporated at 
the first in 1969 and do nothing with the stock that you own. Just keep it. Just live off the dividends of it, not sell it, don't even buy any more stock in the company. Just keep the initial stock that you had bought. As of right now, that stock would be worth somewhere around the neighborhood of one and a quarter million dollars out of $100. Now, that's a success story. We like talking about Walmart. But investing is risky. There's a risk involved because there are for every person that invested in Walmart in 1969, there were probably 20 people that invested in a company called Enron. And they were probably not too happy when they were told, hey, the company you've invested your money in is declaring bankruptcy. And you're probably not even going to get the money out that you put in. For every success story, there is those stories that make us say, uh, I don't know, for every... You know, successful company, there's a pyramid scheme that makes us wonder and makes us hesitate. So this servant, he was concerned. He was worried. He said, I don't know about investing in this pound. So I'm just going to keep it. What he didn't realize is the master, he would have rather probably heard him say, Master, I'm sorry. I've only got a half a pound left because I invested it and I just, you know, it just didn't turn out the way that I wanted. All I've got is a half a pound left and he'd have probably said, well, at least you tried. Instead of saying, well, I, I just hit it. We are called to invest. We are called to invest in the future and in the present. We are to invest of ourselves. I've already mentioned we are to invest financially, but we are also to invest of ourselves because we have young people, we have children, we have new converts that don't know anything. And if you take them under your wing and you say, I'm just going to invest of myself into this person, who knows what the future will hold? I'm sure when Edward Kimball sat down with this young man who was a shoe salesman in the back of his store and said, hey, you need to know who Jesus is. Let me, let me share with you who Jesus is. He probably had no idea that in the next 60 years this young man would preach to tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people. I've already mentioned when Moses Carver rescued that precious baby boy he probably wasn't thinking, you know what, I'm going to save this boy. And you know what, in 150 years, 2 billion people are going to be alive on this planet that aren't going to starve to death because I'm doing this. He had no idea. He just said, I'm going to invest in this boy. I'm sure there are others who invested and had no idea what the future was going to hold. But that is what we are called to do. There are some that they're going to invest their pound. And they're going to find 10 pounds return. 
There are going to be those who invest their pound, and they're going to say, well, I've got five pounds out of it. Perhaps there are those who say, I invested my pound, and I got a pound back, but I invested it. Maybe there are those who are going to say, I invested a pound, I got two pounds out of it. But don't let it ever be said of us that the fear of what might happen. I, I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste my resources. I, I don't want to waste my money on that. Don't let the fear of that cause us to say, well, I've got what I've got. The Lord wants me to have it when he comes back, so I'm just going to keep it to myself. I'm just going to hide it away. When he comes back, I can say, Lord, you gave me this. Here it is. I'm giving it back to you. Because he's going to look and say, that you missed the point. That's not why I gave you that. I didn't give you that knowledge just so that you could say you had the knowledge. I didn't give you that Holy Ghost so that you could just keep it to yourself. I didn't give you that thing just so you could go and bury it. I gave it to you to use it, to invest it in others. And who knows, in this room, anybody been a Sunday school teacher? Anybody ever gave a Bible study? Anybody ever just met somebody and invited them to church? Whether they came right then or not, but you just said, hey, you know, Hey, would you come to my church? Well, I'm not interested right now. Who knows what dividends that is paying right now? And who knows what will eventually happen? The investment you're making, those kids that you taught, that Bible study that you taught that maybe that person just didn't seem interested, the one invitation that you made, who knows what that investment will produce in the future. But let's invest in the kingdom. Invest our money. We want to give. But give of our time. Find somebody. Find somebody that perhaps nobody even likes and invest in them. And if we will do that, if we will invest, someday we will hear him when he comes back and we say, Lord, Perhaps we think we're going to stand before him and say, Lord, I I tried. I don't know. I I invited that person to church. I I gave that Bible study. You know, I poured the Kool-Aid and the kids spilt it all over the table and in the floor and I had to clean it up. You know, I taught the lesson and they didn't hear a word. They they were sitting spinning in their chair the whole time I was teaching that lesson. They didn't hear a word I said. I, I, I don't know what to present to you and... Who knows that he won't say, well, just turn around behind you. That, that's your investment. You invested your pound and you produced this. And maybe we'll say, I, I, I didn't do that. Oh, yeah, you did. You invested. That's the reward that you get. Only heaven will know what you're doing right now. But I promise you, if you're doing anything for his kingdom, it is not going to return empty. You're going to get a great reward. So I came this morning 
just to encourage you, if you're, if you're doing something for his kingdom and you're sitting here thinking, man, uh, I'm not going to get a good return on this investment. If you're investing in his kingdom, it's going to be worth it. If you're sitting here and you're like, man, those kids, they're just impossible. Who knows what that kid will turn out to be, the lives that they will reach and touch. If you're investing of yourself in the kingdom of God, I promise you, you're going to get a great reward eventually. And if you're afraid and you haven't tried to invest yet and you're that one servant that's just kind of fearful, I encourage you, don't be afraid. Just invest and it will be worth it. And let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to invest in your kingdom and realize the importance of it. I pray, Lord, that if anyone's afraid, if there's any fear of what might happen, I pray that you would help us to overcome that and realize that if we will invest in your kingdom, whatever it is, it will not return to us void, but it will produce exactly what you want it to produce. And I pray that you would help us to see the importance, because someday, if we do not quit, we don't give up, we will reap if we don't faint. Whatever we are producing into your kingdom, you will receive or you will grant the reward. Help us, Lord, to see that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep investing in the future, and the Lord will produce the benefits of it. Amen. Got a few minutes, 11 o'clock, our back to school bash is starting with the McGonagall's. We're excited the McGonagall's are here.